Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota on Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington. Home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. It's time for the Catholic Hipster Podcast with my dad, Tommy. And our fun Sarah. I hope you like it. What up, everybody? You've got the Catholic Hipster Podcast in your earbuds. I'm Tommy Ty, and across the country, the fabulous Sarah Vabulous. What's up, Sarah? Hey, Tommy. Happy Saturday morning. Yeah, I, I hope that you slept a little bit better than I did. Well, um, I think I was sleepwalking last night, so. Is that for real? Is that serious? Yeah, I vaguely remember waking up and thinking, I have to shut my bedroom door to keep people out. And I woke up and my bedroom door was closed. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is cool and scary. Yeah, whatever. I would always fear that I'd be like, I'd be the sleepwalking guy who was like eating all the peanut butter out of the peanut butter jar or something like that. Like, oh. why do I keep getting fatter and fatter? <laughs> Mine usually <laughs> involves closing doors. I, I don't know, but I, I'm not feeling so hot. So I'm going to blame my cold medicine. That's pretty good, though, that your sleepwalking problem leads to a safer environment for you <laughs> as opposed to like the people who walk out into traffic, you know? Oh, I, I certainly hope that's all I did. But the thing is, is it was more of like a half awake because I, I remember doing it. So it's the weirdest part. The live in the dream, literally. Literally, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so well, everybody, obviously, on God's green earth or at least our country has been talking about the RNC this week and all the interestingness and craziness associated with it. And Sarah, you have an interesting perspective because you worked in politics and I'm fascinated by that. Like, what did you do specifically? So I actually had two jobs. My first job out of college, I worked for the Georgia Republican Party. And so in 2006, it was a gubernatorial election year, um, but also most of our statewide uh, seats. So, you know, in, in our, at least here in Georgia, um, our even off years from the presidential election are our big election years here. So governor, secretary of state, lieutenant governor, uh, uh, agricultural lead, all those, all those statewide um, seats are up. And so I didn't have a job and I babysat uh, a little bit for the summer. My mom said, uh, you need to do some volunteer work until you can find a full-time job. So she sent me down to the Republican Party, and uh, as, as it was, they had one extra spot available that was a paid position, um, and I think I made something like, I don't know, mm, 100 bucks a week, something ridiculously low like that, um, and I was tasked with a particular region of the, uh, of the Atlanta area where I cold-called people and asked them if they were going to vote, and um and so it, it depended on, on what time of the election cycle it was. But when we were doing the primaries, I was calling people who had submitted for uh, the mail home or the mail in ballots. Um, so I had to call and make sure that they mailed them in. Hey, you know, did you are you going to do this? And there were a couple of dead people I called. So that was super awkward. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You try calling um, a widow and saying, oh, hi, you know, is John there? John died a week ago. Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, 
That is brutal. It was still vote it Republican. Was, Bye. Was, I was like, hey, can you? Uh, when I told my boss, he this is obviously a joke. Everybody, this is obviously a joke. But when I told my boss, he goes, well, did he fill it out before he died? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the voting in this country. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, the, oh, absentee ballot. That's what I was looking for. But, um, and so, um, other parts where I went around um, to events and was just encouraging people to get out and vote, um, talk to them about the candidates. I did some talks at some of the public high schools um, and just really, you know, all sorts of hard work, but a lot of phone calls, a lot, a lot of phone calls. And, Sounds uh, like fun, though, right? Oh, my gosh. I got to know so many people so quickly. So it really was a lot of fun. And then about, uh, I don't know, right around election time, my local congressman was looking for um, someone to fill a role in his local uh, congressional office. And they invited me in to interview. And next thing I know, I had a job. And I became a congressman's deputy press secretary and his local scheduler. So it was a really, really neat job. You know, here I am, um, 23 years old, like, you know, six months out of college. And <laughs> um, and so I um, did the congressman's schedule, um, which is just super interesting. It's also why I'm completely type A when it comes to calendaring. Uh, in addition to that, I wrote all of his local press releases. So when he was at home and did any events and all that, it was my my role to write those and let people know and, and encourage the press to come. I scheduled him on local news stations to go down to uh, like get interviewed or he really liked uh, one of our local stations would have him on for the lunch broadcast whenever he was home. And so he'd just go down and pop on and talk to them for 10 minutes. So just stuff like that. Um, additionally, I was a, a field representative. So that means that you go out uh, to events that the congressman cannot make and you give speeches on his behalf. Um, so I really was um, a, one of two people that were the face of the congressman here in the local district. So I got to know all the movers and shakers and uh, got to go to all cool events. You know, I got to have lunch with Mitt Romney one day. I got to have lunch with Laura Bush. I met President George W. Bush twice. I met John McCain, Rudy Giuliani, like all these really just, uh, you know, iconic people because I was around for the 08 election cycle, um, which, as you know, was uh, the end of President Bush's presidency. But it also meant there were two very open seats. Um, so I got to meet a lot of the candidates on both sides uh, of the aisle for uh, for the presidency that year. So it was a really, really fascinating job that I did. That's super cool. And it sounds like from your tone that it wasn't completely like disillusioning because I, I would think that people who haven't been involved would think, man, being inside that machine would sort of just make you feel even more terrible about it than being out. That doesn't sound like it's your take, huh? Uh, not at all. You know, it was so fun. Um, you know, there were some days where it was really hard when we would have a really tough bill up for a vote in Congress and our phones would be ringing faster than we could answer them. And some people got really frustrated with that. But there were four people in the office like, you know, when you have 10 calls coming in, what are you supposed to do? Like 10 calls a minute. Um, you know, one day I think we had we were averaging like 100 to 120 calls an hour. And that's just a lot when people don't want to just talk for 30 seconds. Some people want to talk for 20 minutes. And so wow, so when people say call your congressman, people actually do that. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, yes, people do it all the time. So that was another one of my jobs is when we were all in the office, we all answered phones. And so we have a, a computer system where you log every single phone call. So you ask for the person's address and you get all their information if they're willing to give it because um, we would respond with a letter to every person who called the office. 
Wow. That is really cool and yeah. gracious. So all the uh, letters came mostly out of the D.C. office. We did some out of the Atlanta office. Um, but, you know, we also did some special letters. So when a young man would become an Eagle Scout in the district, I made sure to find out about it because we would send them a flag that flew over the Capitol as well as a certificate uh, from from Congress. Uh, you know, people that were really good students, we would send them things. I also ran our local congressional art competition every year so students could submit pieces of art and we'd hang them and have uh, a local artist come in and judge them and they would win uh, scholarships to some art schools um, other things we did uh, I would do um, a talk back live sort of deal where we would go to a local high school and the congressman would spend a half day talking to them about things that matter one time we did a healthcare one so I built his PowerPoint presentation and gave him all his talking points and he talked to high school kids about healthcare. so just so much stuff that you would never even think happens happens on a daily basis for for United States Congressman and his staff. And you're bringing it to the people so we could have an inside look at what it's like, Sarah. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you know, if anybody ever has questions about it, uh, please ask. I mean, it was I worked there for three and a half years or two and a half. I don't know, something like that. And um, it was awesome. I really enjoyed my time. I learned a lot. Um, it was a really hard job. I did not see my friends much because I was at breakfast events, lunch events, dinner events, and I was always in a suit, but, um, and working on 4th of July, Labor Day, I didn't really get many holidays, um, but it was, it was totally worth it. That's super cool. It, it's, I'm, it's experience. It's really neat. I ate so, more barbecue and sweet tea than anybody ever, ever should in a lifetime. I would imagine. And sometimes I am impressed by the fact that many people in office, not everybody, but many people in office are able to maintain a healthy looking body. And I think like, wow, you guys probably get, you know, like you said, breakfast, lunch, dinner events, like all this stuff. And it's like, well done for those folks who are able to hang in there with that. <laughs> yeah, you just learn to only eat half of what they put in front of you. That's smart. I should learn that for my regular life, but my <laughs> wife cooks too well, so. <laughs> uh, she'd get insulted, right? <laughs> That's marriage. <laughs> the The main topic about today's episode is hilarious altar server stories, and I'm super excited because I was an altar server from probably too young of an age to really be up there, like, like a lot of us, um, and this is great. We put it out there on Twitter, got some stories back. And I'm super stoked to kind of share what people got back to us with because it's hilarious. Being an altar server is really funny, especially during that awkward time in your life where um, you're just awkward and you're up there trying to do something kind of profound and it's just ready for all kinds of crazy stuff to happen. So when we come back, we're going to start sharing some of your altar server stories and um, a secret special guest. Get ready. All right. Bye. I think it's time for a break now. Now back to Seth. Welcome back, everybody. Um, behind the scenes, it took us uh, about an hour to get Friar onto some sort of virtual phone call with us. So we're really excited to introduce my friend, Friar Matt Foley. You know, the great thing about being a Franciscan, our mendicant tradition from like St. Francis in the 12th century was all this technology stuff is foreign. So I think I'm just being a good um, son of Francis when my incompetence is coming out. 
<laughs> yeah, but you teach high school kids. Well, and that's funny. It's um, I, I do pretty great. We we have a great um, it's a one to one iPad program at our school, and so every kid in the building, every um, teacher, faculty, staff, we all have iPads. But I always feel like um, I use it every day, lectures, powerpoints, homeworks, etc. But I feel like um, you've given the old lady a Jaguar who like goes to church once a week in the grocery store, obviously not using it all as well as it could be. <laughs> That's so true. Well, Friar, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself if people aren't familiar with who you are? Sure. Um, my name is Friar Matt Foley. I'm a conventional Franciscan uh, friar and priest. I'm assigned to our all-boys Catholic high school in Baltimore, where I'm the director of campus ministry, and I, I teach freshman theology. I'm originally from the Boston area. Um, I'm the second of seven, seven children, so I have uh, four brothers, two sisters, and I have my eighth niece or nephew. Um, he or she will be due in about, I think, two or three weeks. Um, so, I mean, I've been in the Franciscan since 2001. Um, I've been a priest. It'll be seven years in October. And um, I don't know, just to show what a small Catholic world it is, it's just it's been wonderful to get to know you, for Sarah, first through um through Twitter and then in real life. And Tommy, it's been great following you now for, for a little bit. So I don't know, is that kind of it? <laughs> that, <laughs> oh, that's great. We're so excited that we were able to work through technology and, and have you on today. And so as everybody knows, last week we teased a, uh, a segment about altar server horror stories. And so I, I thought that Fryer would be a good addition to this because, well, he works at an all-boys Catholic high school. And I imagine, Fryer, do you have them altar serve at the high school we do we have um we have school masses about once a month we do masses on all of our our retreats um we also actually one of the cool things we do is through our youth ministry campus youth uh, campus ministry franciscan youth ministry we have um optional monthly holy hour for the kids um so i mean we'll get anywhere from um 55 to 75 kids that'll stay after school and play games, do homework, eat pizza, then stay for holy hour. And so it had been interesting at one point teaching, um, trying to teach them how to serve adoration and benediction. Um, and th this past year, one of my freshmen, Michael, um, when, when he had admitted that he was an altar server and at one point he had been to benediction, I was like, okay, great, I'm going to show you how to do this. So he did it. He, it was fine. Um, didn't burn the place down or didn't didn't break any windows with the with the sensor. He then looked at me afterwards and goes, "I'm going to be doing this every month for the next four years, aren't I?" I go, "Yes." <laughs> it's much easier to serve one person or to, to form one person once than to keep doing it over and over again. And he, and he was pretty um, pretty good natured about that. And so I did tell him I would probably let him finish by the time junior year, and we'll find a new freshman then. <laughs> so funny. Uh, well, uh, Tommy, you were an altar server growing up, right? I was. And fortunately or unfortunately, I lived directly across the street from our parish. So I was the one who was getting the calls when nobody showed up to serve a wedding and things like that. And I had to answer the call. Did you at least get paid? Did they give you a little stipend for doing that at least? There was a yeah. I mean, it depended on the couple, how much they would toss over for weddings, anywhere from like five bucks to maybe 20 on a on a 
couple that had a little bit more means, I guess. But right. um, it was it was fun to to do weddings, to do funerals. It was um, always interesting and different. And I will say we got in plenty of trouble because uh, just in general, like at that age, it's you don't really know. You don't really. I mean, I'm sure there's some altar service who get a really good formation, but for us, it was sort of the practicalities of what to do. And so the actualities of what you were up there doing and what was happening wasn't really pushed on us, which maybe would have been helpful. Um, Definitely for me, the story that I still remember all these years later is uh, on Good Friday, we were holding up. Um, you know, a giant crucifix. And it was kind of the crucifix that only comes out on Good Friday and everybody would process up um, to kiss Jesus's feet. And everybody who's not Catholic is like, what in the heck are you even talking about? I'm sure. But um, this is like a really kind of beautiful tradition that we have on Good Friday. So we're holding it. I'm sure we were probably like 12 maybe. And everyone's coming up, coming up, coming up. And at one point, this really old elderly woman steps up and she closes her eyes as she's bending over to kiss the feet. Um, But her eyes are totally closed while she's probably still like a foot and a half away from the crucifix. (laughs) And she keeps going down, keeps going down. And we held it as good as we could. And she missed the feet and her forehead smacked right into the bottom (laughs) of the crucifix below the feet. Um, And she just kind of like jolted up and looked up and made the sign of the cross and walked off. (laughs) And the two of us, I mean, we... We tried so hard, but you know where you're just like laughing hysterically with your mouth closed, like your eyes shut tight, like trying hard. And, you know, a couple more people came up and we were just kind of almost losing it. And all of a sudden, both of us felt like a big hand come down on our shoulders and we turned around and it was this priest who was really tall. I mean, he was over six feet tall and we were still kids. And he just said, give me the crucifix, go sit down. (laughs) (laughs) So he held it for the rest of the procession up and we went back and sat down kind of still, still, uh, enjoying that moment that happened, but realizing that the eventuality was we were going to get chewed out pretty bad after mass, which we did and we deserved it. But I still think of that, like, you know, 25 years later, just how awkward and hilarious. I think that part of it as an altar server is that it's a situation where you're not supposed to crack up laughing. So things that aren't really even that funny are amazingly funny just because you're kind of in that mode and that space. I don't know what you think about that. Things are always so much funnier in church. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh yeah. I went to Easter vigil my freshman year of college because I went home with my freshman roommate and I don't know what it was, but she had two brothers and we the four of us were just cracking up for no reason during the Easter vigil. Her parents were so mad, but I don't even know what was so funny, but I couldn't stop laughing. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much at church. I mean, going to I can remember going to rosaries for family members who had passed as kids and just just something as simple as the person leading the rosary, mixing up the second half and first half of the Hail Mary and, you know, they say like, Holy Mary, Mother of God. And then like when they say that instead of the first part and the whole pe- everyone in the church is sitting there like, OK, what do we do? What do we do? And it's not that's not funny, but it's so hilarious when you're sitting in the context of church. Exactly. Exactly. This this was funny. Um, one of the cool things about being a priest in high school, um, since I'm not at one parish, I help out at a number of different ones in, in the Baltimore and D.C. area. So any month I might be at five, six, seven different different churches over the course of the month, over the course of weekends. And so I was at this one parish and it was actually, it's been one of the only parishes I've ever used, been to where um, 
like they really still they use like the pattern for people that receive communion on the tongue. Oh yeah. Like the server will do that, and so I'm distributing communion, and the server is proceeding to give editorial comments on people coming for communion, describing the people that are like second or third back in line, <laughs> talking about um. Oh my! Well, be careful. This one doesn't have any teeth in the back, or this one doesn't have this. <laughs> and he, he thought he was helping, and so I'm distributing the body of Christ, and I almost like I I've actually done really well over the years with being able to control the giggles. Um, when it's like game situation, it's I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> but I sat down after um, purifying vessels for a moment of quiet before the closing prayer. And I mean, my shoulders just started shaking, just thinking about what had happened and how funny it had been. Thankfully, the microphone was off and I was a little little back to the side, so nobody else saw that. Oh, gosh, that's great. We got a lot of responses, Sarah, when we put this out there um, about different things. Father Kyle Schnippel, who I know most people that probably listen to this podcast know, um, all six of you guys, he actually passed out one time and knocked down a candlestick um, and the charcoals set the cathedral carpet on fire during an ordination. I mean, that's (laughs) that is like epic and above and beyond anything I could even imagine. I know. (laughs) And he sent us this YouTube video of a kid who was holding a candlestick while it looked like processing in, I think. And he was just so deep in thought that the his his hair caught on fire and he didn't <laughs> notice for a couple of seconds. And he had like the altar server next to him pats it out. And then the kid's just like, OK. And then they process forward like nothing ever happened. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I'm sure that we've all, I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but I had a friend who, um, when we were doing something where she was kneeling before the altar, she was holding the incense probably for like 15 minutes and she flat out passed out face down on the floor after just holding it. Cause she's holding it like right in front of her face and it just took her down. It was, it was something that I never let her live down. Uh, Hannah Williams chipped in and said one time she was walking to blow out a candle after mass, I guess, and the wax shot back in her face, which <laughs> oh my is goodness, funny looking back, but must have been terrifying. Uh, have you guys <laughs> ever had that happen? No, never. We we had mm, um, it sucks. You know, <laughs> we had those bottle like we had the um gas can mm. wicked candles at my church when I was growing up. Yeah, I was at a a prayer service at my church just a few years ago, and uh, they gave out candles for it. And I went and to blow out my candle and I got wax all over my face. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, it's like it, it basically it cools not, off real quick. Yeah, it cools off super quick because there's just little <laughs> droplets of it. But it was so embarrassing. I was like, oh, do I have wax in my hair? Because we're going out to dinner after. I was like, <laughs> oh, I feel like a doofus. <laughs> well, I always preferred when, when I was little, like at the Easter vigil or things like that, actually, um, trying to actually pour the wax onto either my hand or somebody else's and trying to see if I could get an, like the mold of one of my fingers. Nice. And it was always done for the purpose of trying to get one of my siblings to laugh or trying to get wax on them. Um, I was always terrified because I was no expert at being able to strike a match. And it was always hit or miss if they would have one of those like long lighters when I'd have to go light the candles. And if it was a match, like I would just start sweating because I know I'd be walking out there and there's hundreds of people sitting there watching me like trying to strike this match over and over again. 
So I would always tell the other altar servers, hey, you want to do the candles? Like trying to pretend I was being cool. <laughs> Catholic Clara said the first mass she ever served as an altar server, Jesus fell off the processional cross. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh my goodness. At that point, I would probably just retire. Process, I, I was going to say process, say process out and never, never serve again. <laughs> exactly. Be like, this is a sign. That would this be epic. A... I, the first mass I ever served, my parents set up a camcorder and had it sitting on the front of the pew they were sitting in, just pointing at me for the entire mass. This was like life in the late 80s. I guess everything was was a camcorder <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Father Damien, Damien Ferrance, who we've had on this show before, um, similar to Father Kyle, which is funny. I wonder if this is like the Holy Spirit reaching out, but he also almost set his church on fire as an altar boy. <laughs> that must be the Holy Spirit trying to get people to realize their holy orders. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> I had a few uh, come my way too from VMNT blog. Uh, when my dad was an altar server for the old mass, he'd lightly hit friends on the neck with the patent as they knelt for communion. <laughs> <laughs> It's, <laughs> that would funny. be hard to resist when you're giving an altar server kind of a weapon. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, for sure. And then uh, the simple joy said the time my two sons served together, one reached behind Deacon in front of the altar and whacked the other. When we were in middle school, it was um, after eighth grade, you were able to retire. Um, nobody I knew ser served in high school. So I retired and I was sitting with my mom in the pew and I was watching my two baby brothers serve. At this point, they must have been maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. And I remembered the look of horror on my mother's face during the preparation of the gifts. And one of my brothers who had um, the small patent that would be used on, on top of the, the chalice, that would be just for the one host, that the, um, like the priest host, and he must have been six feet from the altar, and he flicked it like a frisbee. <laughs> I looked at my mom as she was watching this, and the color had drained from her face. And all I could think of was, I can't wait for this ride home. <laughs> Oh, oh in, in my family guys. growing up, that's the kind of ride home where nobody says anything and you know you're in way more trouble than if you were getting yelled at as a kid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. At mass last weekend, one of our altar servers fell asleep during the homily. Oh, brutal. But that's it was brutal. a good homily. I don't know. Maybe she was super tired. I don't know. But she was done. I was like, hey, kid, you're in the front row. What are you doing? I think it's funny. Even after you retire, I still get like a wave of nervousness if the priest or deacon come up before mass and say, oh, we still need somebody. Is there anybody out there who can be an altar server during this mass? Because we're one short and I'm, you know, I'm 34 years old and I'm still like, oh, God, I hope that they don't like. Pick they don't choose me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Friar Matt, we do a thing here called the hipster hot seat. And so we're going to take a real quick break and come back and put you on said hot seat with some fast-paced questions to get your fast-paced answers. I will do my best I can, and if I don't know it, I'll make it up. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Now back to show. Mm. 
Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Sarah and I to put Friar Matt Foley on the hipster hot seat. He's terrified, but he doesn't need to be, but he is, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so, okay, first question. Friar, father, frother? I, I'm super confused. Can you can you give us some guidance sure. here? Sure. Um, so I'm a Franciscan friar, and um, in the school, it's, it's a Franciscan school, so the friars have been here for more than 50 years. So everybody gets what a friar is. That when, when Francis formed the community, everybody were, was brothers to each other. And that's just what, what friar means. It's derivative of a brother. So it was my uh, second year teaching here. I had started the school here as a deacon. And then I was flying up to Massachusetts for a weekend to be ordained as a priest. And so I've been teaching at this point these, these students for um, maybe about a month. And so one of, one of the young men was, wasn't getting that I was getting on a plane, I'd be a priest on Saturday, and then when I was back in the classroom on Tuesday, and he was like, well, what am I gonna call you? I mean, do I call you friar? Do I call you father, friar, father? I'm just gonna call you frother. (laughs) And so (laughs) he created the term and it became my Twitter handle. And um, so I I always say, Anything usually associated with the school, I introduce and go go as friar. Um, I always say that I've been a, a friar longer than I've been a father. And, um, <laughs> right. So that's very good. good. Well, uh, Saint Francis or Saint Clair? Yes, we're Catholics. We're both <laughs> and. Ah, well done. <laughs> okay, this is a huge debate topic. If you were having a margarita on the rocks, would you have it with or without salt? Oh my goodness! It's invalid and illicit without socks. So- salt. <laughs> also, socks. It is important to wear your socks too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Friar. Uh, socks with or without sandals? <laughs> Never. No. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Jameson or Guinness? Ooh. Well, that's that's an easy one. I, I would say Guinness. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not a big um, I'm not a big whiskey or Scotch fan. So I think that's another reason that people maybe at times have questioned whether I'm a real priest or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I ask because your family owns a bar. We do. It's been in my family for more than a hundred years, and um, my brothers are actually the fourth generation in our family to to work there. So if you're ever in the Boston area, head to JJ Foley's um, in the South End. That's fantastic. How would you rate your Google Hangout skills, poor or fair? Oh, uh, poor minus. (laughs) (laughs) Flunking? (laughs) Uh, Marie Bernadette G wants to know, how many Twitter followers have you met at Mass outside of herself and her husband? Actually, it was great. I was in in Pasadena, Maryland, and and she came up and introduced herself. And uh, it's one of those things that it almost always embarrasses me almost a little bit when somebody says that, oh, I follow you on social media. I always, I mean, yeah, I always joke and say that I think I'm um, funnier and cooler online than I am in real life. You get to know me in real life. And I think that goes for all of us. Yeah. That disappointing. <laughs> um, so no, no, it's not disappointing because if you guys are, have not followed <laughs> Friar Matt on uh, on the Twitter. He's at Frother Matt. He live tweets high school dances. You know, and that just started. I was at um, I was chaperoning a homecoming dance, and um, I'd been roped into chaperoning. So 
I was one of the few. There weren't as many adults there as there, there should have been. And I had just coming up. I I think funny things. I, and um, and so at one point I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm here making sure that nobody leaves this through the back door. And I don't have anybody to share these snarky, sarcastic comments with. Okay, well, I'm just going to put it out on, on Twitter. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, I mean, people just started commenting and liking and retweeting and um it just uh sort of became a thing it's pretty great it's i (laughs) I like it you know especially when you start to talk about the kids dance skills and their music choices and i would say i would rate their dance skills and music choices similar to my google hangout (laughs) (laughs) poor minus minus. (laughs) well friar matt you are off the hipster hot seat you made it. You survived. St. Lawrence was interceding on your behalf and it worked out. Um, why don't you tell people how they can follow your awesome uh, social media feeds and how they can hear all about the terrible life of high schoolers when they try to dance? Okay. Well, um, you can follow me on, on Twitter at Frather Matt, F-R-A-T-H-E-R-M-A-T-T. Um, and I do. I, I post um, things on, on, on school, on um Things from classes, funny things students say. Um, most weeks I post um, homily tweets. For me, that's usually um, when I'm when I'm preparing a homily over the course of the week. That if if I can't get the message down to to 140 characters, I need to keep working on it. And that if anything is superfluous towards towards that message, towards that tweet, I I remove it and just I figured hopefully I'll have a a long priesthood and I will come to these readings again, multiple points. So I don't need to say everything, um, say everything each Sunday. Awesome. I think that's fantastic advice. So everybody, definitely for everybody to listen to everybody, uh, go, go follow him and take a look and enjoy everything that's there. And thank you so much for joining us. I know it was bumpy, but we persevered as Catholics and we hung in there and it worked out well. So thank you so much. Amen. God bless you. It was a privilege to be with you. Thanks. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless. Bye-bye. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on exciting episode 20. My, how the time flies. It was a great time, Sarah. Well done. Um, That was a rough one for a minute. I was so worried. You figured it out. You rocked it. So if you're really bored, you can follow me on Twitter at the GH is silent or head on over to catholichipster.com. Or you Sarah. Oh yeah. For me, you can go to at, Catholic Drinky on Twitter or CatholicDrinky.com for uh, no posts ever. So thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We're a realistic group around here. (laughs) And, uh, well, let us know. Send us some feedback. Also, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Um, We would really love if you guys would do that. And maybe we'll come up with some reward system uh, if you do submit uh, a thing. So do that now. That's cool. Mega cool. Take care, everybody. That was a lot of fun. And it worked out, which I was like, I was getting hopeless, but Sarah's amazing computer skills pulled it off. I was like, no, 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 no. I can get this. I'm determined. We're not giving up. (laughs) It only took, um, two devices <laughs> and two apps two different applications and the fourth time was the charm <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.